Well, today is Baptism Sunday, one of my favorite Sundays of the year. Uh, we do a couple of these a year, and I, I just love it. I actually became a Christian uh, on a Baptism Sunday. My sister-in-law, Kathy, who's here, was being baptized, and she invited me to come to her cult. Um, which I thought it was a cult, and so I was going there to rescue her from this cult, and, uh, and I encountered God in that amazing place. And uh, so that was the powerful thing about this testimonies that you're going to hear today really are going to share with you about how their journey has been changed and transformed through the power of meeting this person named Jesus Christ. I want to welcome my nephew here, Dr. Jordan Fraser and his wife Krista. God bless them. They're here from the States. And uh, Jordan, I have this pain. It's no, I'll tell you about it later. It's all good. Anyway, we're so, so glad to see you guys. It's awesome that you're here only for a few days, but we're so thankful that you're here. I was uh, thinking about baptism. Um, not only did I get saved at a baptism service, but after I be- became a Christian, shortly thereafter I became an intern in the church that I was uh, saved in because I felt a call into ministry. And I remember um, going to help with the baptism, which was a high privilege. But back then, we used to go in the tank with the people. So the two of us are in the tank, and my pastor's there, and he starts kicking me while I'm in the water. There's 700 people watching us, and I look down, and he's holding a hamburger in between his toes. See, we had had a barbecue a couple weeks earlier, and obviously a kid had thrown a hamburger into the baptism tank. So I'm like reaching down in the water where you can't see me, and I'm grabbing the hamburger. There are no hamburgers in here today. I have checked. The water is clean, so we're all good. And uh, the baptism still worked in spite of the hamburger. You know, I was thinking about it in this service. We're going to hear two wonderful testimonies of lives that have been transformed and changed. In the next service, we're going to hear the testimony of four people, a couple of them youth. And, uh, you know, I I remember baptizing my son Mitchell uh, at Sandmeyer's dugout. And, uh, and that was awesome, except we had to baptize them really quick because we're standing there and we're all sinking into the mud. And so the testimony had to be very quick and then we, uh, we got finished. But you're going to hear a little bit longer testimonies today. What, what are these people doing? What's going on? Well, let me just read a scripture to you, what you're about to see and hear from these people. This is what happens in baptism. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind And when we came up out of the water, we entered into the new country of grace, a new life in a new land. That's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we are lowered into the water, it's like the burial of Jesus. When we're raised up out of the water, it's like the resurrection of Jesus. Each of us is raised into a light-filled world by our Father so we can see where we're going in our new grace-sovereign country. Not only are we going to hear the story, the testimony, and the testimony just means a first-hand authentication of the fact. And so today you're going to hear the testimony of people who have a first-hand authentication of what meeting Jesus Christ has meant to them. The transformation that has occurred in their life Uh, the incredible letting go of my old life and being resurrected into a new life. 
they're going to hear that story. But I'm going to tell you there's something greater and bigger, and we're going to look at that today even further. Not only are we set free from our failures and past and our sins and brought into a new life, but we're going to discover these people are testifying and celebrating the fact that there's a new life in God, ultimately that there's a new family, a new future, and a new story being created. And so that's what we're going to talk about a little bit after we hear some of these incredible testimonies of how lives have been transformed through the power and the presence of God. But why don't we pray for these people that are about to share their story. Pastor Peter's going to come back and lead this part of the service, and then I'm going to close this out a little bit later. Let me pray. Father God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Today we celebrate with people who are joining and celebrating the fact that they have joined the family of God. These are our brothers. These are our sisters. These are the people that have made a decision to follow you. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to fill them with courage as they share. Fill them with peace as they share. Remind them that they are the story, they are the testimony of the goodness of God, even in the house of the Lord today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give it up for Pastor Peter as he comes to lead this next section. All right, we're ready to go. So we'll invite up our first baptism candidate, uh, Bebe Tremblay. Come on up. Give her a hand as she comes. <laughs> and she's bringing a friend. That is wonderful. Georgina, come on up too. All right. Awesome. Well, church, I met with uh, Bebe probably a few months ago now, and you shared so much of your story with me. And it was just powerful, significant, and, and at the same time, just heartbreaking. You know, people go through such challenges and difficult things, but it's wonderful to see Bebe coming out on the side of hope and in your salvation through Christ. And so um, I'm just going to let you share. I'm going to pass you the microphone, and you just go for it and share your testimony with us. Good morning. Okay. I am Bebe Tremblay. I'm born in a small little town, Saint-Thomas-de-Dim in Lac Saint-Jean. At six years old, my mom put me in a coven and told me not to cry. Every morning at six o'clock in the morning, we walked to the church and for the mass. And on Saturday morning, they let us sleep in. They never told us that God loved us unconsciously, but we knew about sin. At 14 years old, I left the coven, very innocent girl, got pregnant at 17, put my family ashamed. I got a baby girl. And my mom refused to see her. She tried to force me to give her away. And she would try anything. I could not do that. And she told me if I don't, she will do anything to get that child away from me, even stealing. 
My social worker believed in me. She gave me a chance. She said, find a job, a place to stay, and you give me $10 a month for your baby. I work hard. I did it. God bless me. I had her for three weeks. For the first time, I could hold her, touch her, loving her. She passed. The people upstairs had a lion, one years old. She came in my room and and she killed her. Very sad that was. But that that's hard to say for me, but that was a deliverance. She would never be accepted in my family. I never cried. I called my mom and told her to come and see her, dead. She got her wish. I know, believe she is, now I know she, where she is with God. I find God when I read the footprint. That's when I realize he care and he carry me through all that. I want to be baptized to honor him and serve him and walk with him. I am thankful for my church family, my sister and my brother in Christ. I'm very happy today to find God. And I always said to myself, I want to be like those people. I asked my brother, Dwayne, how long that's going to take me for me to be baptized? Oh, he said, baby, that's going to take you a long time because I'm different. But I love God, and I, who brought me to the church the first time, that was Shirley. She kept telling me, baby, you should, grandma, she called me grandma, you should come to church. You're going to love it. I did, the purple hair girl. That's when I meet my family. And I'm very proud of it. Thank you. Amen. Well, what an encouragement, church. Some of you have experienced heartbreaking things. And as a parent myself, I can't imagine losing a child. Um, but... Maybe you feel different as well. Maybe you haven't always felt accepted, but you're accepted by God. You're accepted in his church, and he's the God of all comfort. Amen? And so we're believing for you that all the more, Babe, and we're going to baptize you right now. All right. Well, Babe, have you believed in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and do you desire to live with him and for him for the rest of your life? I do. Then upon confession of your faith, 
I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, having been buried with Jesus and raised to new life. She did good on those stairs for being a grandma, hey? Well done, Bebe. All right. Jennifer, come on up. And Jennifer said, I don't do this table thing. I do, I do a music stand, so. Oh, the table's good? Look at you. Wow, all right. <laughs> this is uh, Jennifer Waddington, everyone. And what an awesome journey for you coming to our church, uh, watching online for a little bit. And actually, I think you attended a memorial service here. And that was what kind of caught your attention. And checking it out online for a little while, and then finally reached out and had some questions, joined Namara's Bible study. And that now has turned to attending the Father's house. So why don't you share your testimony with us? Awesome. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. So as Pastor Peter um, introduced me, my name is Jennifer Waddington Van Hove, and this is my testimony. I was raised in a Christian home, and I was baptized as a baby, as was kind of the standard being in a Catholic home back in those days. My parents, who are here today celebrating over 51 years of marriage, felt that faith was really important in the home and wanted to warn me against secular ideas um, against secular ideas like horoscopes and Ouija boards and tarot cards and things like that. And as a child, I was raised in a Lutheran church. And as a youth, um, I received my first communion. I did my confirmation. I helped with services. I was an altar girl. And I shadowed our pastor, Keith, um, and went to many different conferences and workshops as I had a, a very strong love of wanting to become a pastor as an adult. Then during adulthood, young adulthood, I unfortunately fell away from my faith and I began reading and researching and learning about new thought ideas such as visualizations and affirmation and law of attraction. And that led me into something which started innocently enough as angel oracle cards. What could be wrong with angels, right? They, aren't, they, aren't they biblical and aren't they from God? And this is when I literally fell into the oldest lie in the book. So from Genesis 3, chapter, or sorry, Genesis 3, verses 1 to 6. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast in the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the trees, of the fruit in the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. 
For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. After that, I began exploring other religions and I started to think that there were many paths to God. I was involved in things like crystal energy. I did mediumship. Um, I was very involved in being a clairaudient and performing services for people. And while I, begin, I continued to believe in God, I started to think that Jesus was just one of many paths to him. I honestly thought that I was helping people to discover their inner divinity and to bring them closer to their own relationship, but now understood how deceived I was. I never felt fulfilled when I was doing these things, and I constantly was striving for the next piece of the puzzle. There was always another book to read, another video to watch, another workshop to attend, and more practices to learn. And yet, all through this, I prayed for protection from God and Archangel Michael. And yet, why would God protect me from purposely defying his commandments? I honestly believed that we had the answers within us if we could only become enlightened enough to know the truth. We have the power to save ourselves, so I thought. And the more I became involved in these practices, especially mediumship, the more uncomfortable I felt. I no longer felt safe, like there was a darkness around me. I was scared to sleep at night. I was scared of the dark, and I was uncomfortable to be alone. I watched a YouTube video one day about six months ago by someone I used to follow in the new age who had become a born-again Christian. And during her video, she had said, um, and she quoted from 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14, and no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. And that day, as I reflected on that, something touched my heart. How could I have known what I was speaking to and what I was channeling and mediumshipping all of those years? I honestly believe that Jesus saved me that day. That day, I immediately put away all of my New Age materials, practices. I got rid of books, oracle cards, all other symbols that were in my house. I went downstairs that same day and found my Bible that I had not read for many, many decades, two decades, and I began to read it that day, and I am proud to say I'm actually two-thirds of the way through reading it from cover to cover for the very first time in my life. <laughs> Thank you. All glory to him. I realized my deception and how lucky I was. So looking at John 14, 6, Jesus is speaking to Thomas, and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So as I opened my heart and my mind and my soul to Christ, I finally began to feel a deep inner peace. I no longer needed to strive for the next thing, <clears throat> the next truth, the next piece of knowledge, the next experience, and mostly the next feeling. It was all right here. It was all here. This is my, there is not such a thing as my truth and your truth. There is only his truth. I am a sinner. I've committed terrible acts against his commandments. And I repent publicly today for who I was. 
I come to Christ humbly, asking his forgiveness and to make a clean heart in me for his glory. As I grow in my faith, I want to disciple other people who are deceived in New Age practices and beliefs to show them that the truth of Jesus and the importance of gospel is the only true road to salvation. So after my testimony, I'd just like to share one last um, scripture that has become so important to me, which is Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Thank you. No other foundation, amen? What a testimony of trying so many different things and feeling empty and feeling lost and, and then coming up with the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen, Jennifer. So good. <laughs> awesome. Well, Jennifer, have you believed in Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And do you desire to live with him and for him for the rest of your life? I do. Then upon confession of your faith, Jennifer, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, having been buried with Jesus Christ and raised to a new and better life. I'm going to invite up our first candidate. We have two students being baptized today, and so Evan Akers, why don't you come to the stage, buddy? Give him a hand as he comes. All right. What a champion. Here we go. And Evan, Evan asked for interview style, so I'm going to ask you some questions, Evan, and then you're going to share with the church family. So. Um, first question, buddy, uh, what was your life like before you gave your life to God? Or do you remember that time? <laughs> well, my testimony is kind of just beginning. Yeah. I'm living a life um, into, I'm giving my life to Jesus because God has always been a part of it. My parents have told me they don't want me and my brother to experience a life without Jesus like they had. So they raised us from, from birth, t teaching us uh, and f about following Jesus. I gave my heart to Jesus when I was really young and more than once. My, because sometimes when, when my teacher or Sunday school teacher, even my parents invite, invited me to have Jesus in my heart, I would always say yes. But now I know I have Jesus and I want to follow him for the rest of my life. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So good. <laughs> awesome. That's the best kind of testimony. I've never known a time where God wasn't a part of my life. And so I love that answer, Evan. Next question, since um, growing in your relationship with Jesus, what has he been teaching you? Because I've, had G um, because I've always had a life with Jesus in it, I've been very blessed. But I've had to learn how to hear him and how to live how he wants me to. Having Jesus has helped me at times to see the needs of others, such as a nudge inside me to help someone or say something encouraging. 
I'm still growing in this area, but I know God is with me as I grow and learn and uh, as I live. Amen. Awesome. Okay, so this is your opportunity to preach. How can others experience what you have experienced, Evan? How would you encourage them? I really encourage people who don't know Jesus to learn more about the, the truth of who he is and to know how good it feels to have Jesus because you know when you're going through hard times, you are not alone. Trusting Jesus is a choice, and no one can make that for you but yourself. Amen. Come on. <laughs> so good. Awesome. You're really making everyone excited today, Evan. This is great. Awesome. And then last question, do you have a favorite Bible verse to share? Well, I have two. My favorite verses are Psalms 23 and Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Awesome. So good. Good job, Evan. We're going to baptize you right now. So good. And he has his whole life ahead of him, loving and serving the Lord. Amen. Come on in, buddy. Evan Akers, have you believed in Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And do you commit to live with him and for him for the rest of your life? Yeah. Then upon confession of your faith, Evan, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, having been buried with Jesus Christ and raised to a new and better life. That was so good. I'm so proud of him. Wow. Andrea, are you feeling proud of your son right now? Okay, yeah. Don't talk to mom when mom's in tears. <laughs> good job. Awesome. Okay, Briar Schmirko, come on up. And she's coming up with mom. All right. This is Briar, everyone. And Briar is ready to share her whole testimony. She prefers not to be interviewed today, so you just go for it, sweetheart. My name. My name is Briar Smirko, and I have had many conversations about my faith. On car rides with my family, during devotion time every morning at breakfast, and while reading my Bible at night. It was during one of these car rides that my mom prayed with me, and I asked Jesus into my life when I was around four years old. On my journey as a Christian, I have grown in forgiveness and peace. Hurt feelings, unfairness, and not getting my way have caused me to be angry at others and have a hard heart. My mom would tell me, go talk with Jesus, often. <laughs> Her forcing me to go spend time with Jesus each time allowed me to get closer to him, which is why I ha it's a good thing, because my anger never went away until I spent time with him. God has been teaching me that I can talk to him and bring him all my anger, hurt, and worries. He calms me and gives me peace. When I journal with him, he talks to me and I know what to do next. Sometimes it's difficult to obey him. Forgiving isn't easy. But when I do it, it's a lot more peaceful and it feels great. He made, me all, the, he made all the good changes in my life. Without God, I would still be angry at all the... At, uh, uh, I would still be angry all the time. 
When praying about being baptized, God shared one word with me, disciple. He told me to follow him. Like the disciples followed him and got baptized, I choose today to get baptized into our church family. I am his disciple. Miss Fraser shared this verse with me once, and it is now my favorite verse. Exodus 35, 31. And he has filled him with the spirit of God, the wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all the kinds of skills. It shows me God helps me, and the Holy Spirit is my strength. All right. I'm going to pass the microphone over to Pastor Stacy. It's very special that Briar asked her children's pastor to baptize her today. All right, come on in. Evan told me it was warm, so. Okay, Briar. Have you believed in Jesus and do you want to live with him and follow him for the rest of your life? You do. Then upon confession of your faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, having been buried with him and raised to a new life. I just want to say to Briar, Briar, I just want to say to you, I have loved being your children's pastor, and it's been so special, and, and that word disciple is becoming disciple maker, and you're going to make disciples and teach people about Jesus, and it's going to be great. Good job. I'm proud of you. Okay, we're going to baptize a couple that I have just met this week, but we're going to begin with Stephen Warabek. Come on up. Stephen's uh, father, Greg, and mom, Christina, go to this church. We're excited to hear your testimony, Stephen. Awesome. All right. Well, this is Stephen, everyone. And uh, yeah, he has a much nicer beard than me. I, mine's, it'll come. I'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Stephen... What was your life like before you gave your life to Christ? Tell us about it. I was always raised with the knowledge of Christ and God's existence. It was never a doubt in my mind. But a knowledge and a relationship are very different. I was very stressed. Everything was on me. I was always under pressure, sleepless nights, and I think kind of a normal life. And it just felt like I was always trying to chase the next thing, and I was never content, never at peace. Huh. Okay. Awesome. Ah, thank you. And um, what has changed since uh, recommitting your life to Jesus? Honestly, the biggest thing that I could say would, that's been a change in my life since acknowledging the gift that's always been around me is a, a big sense of I'm not alone. I, I don't, by myself, I can't do anything, but through Christ I can do everything. Amen. And Come on. it's... A, a new feeling of peace just knowing that I'm not going it alone. alone. Yeah, so good. So if um, there were anybody in the room today that was living life the way that you were feeling before, just kind of chasing the next thing, lost, disconnected, what would you say to encourage um, that person today? Uh, big th if I were to give any advice to younger Stephen, preferably much younger Stephen, <laughs> it would be we all have this, don't take it for granted. Do the things we know. You always have that feeling like, I should go read my Bible, but Survivor's on. 
And getting through that point and putting the, uh, the emphasis on what's truly important, the, the biggest action or most important thing that I do that has impacted my life greatly is that every single day reading my Bible and yeah. learning what I need to learn, connecting and realizing that even though I had knowledge, I had very little understanding and was very wrong on very many things. Wow, awesome, what a journey, man. Do you have a favorite scripture to share with everyone today? Um, that's a very big question because it seems to change almost every week. Yeah. But uh, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me is the one that always sticks on my heart and keeps with me. Amen. Come on. All right. Give him a hand. Well done. Amen. In the first service as well, one of our testimonies was someone saying, I'm reading my Bible more. I'm getting into the Word. And what a powerful thing that you were doing, Stephen, just growing in your knowledge of Him. And, and the life is so full of distractions. And Jesus is always knocking on the door. He's always waiting for us to receive and to respond to Him. And so I'm glad that you're doing that. Proud of you, buddy. Awesome. Well, Stephen, have you believed in Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And do you desire to live with him and for him for the rest of your life? Absolutely. Amen. Well, then upon confession of your faith, Stephen, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, being buried with Jesus Christ and raised with him to a new and better life. Stephen's wife, Michelle, come on over. Now, can I tell you a little story about Michelle? Michelle and I have reconnected today after 20 years. We discovered we were in junior high in Legal School together, so we hung out back then a little bit. Yeah. So this is kind of special. This is this is like a re this is a school reunion we have going right now. So that's awesome, Michelle. You ready to share your testimony? Okay. If you can open it, you're doing good. All right, Michelle. So first question, what was your life like before you gave your life to Christ? Hold so, it nice and high. Yeah. Right? Nice and high. Oh, sorry. So I was a lot, there was a lot of darkness and a very much full of self-loathing. I had a bad experience with a church with my family when I was young, and it really turned me away from God. It took my amazing husband, sorry, no, no, no. Okay. guiding me back. At that moment, I truly felt God's love. It's okay. You're doing, you're doing so good. Just take your time. You're doing awesome. <laughs> sorry, I'm an emotional person. You're all right. But when Stephen was there beside me, always guiding me, never shoving it down my throat, just being so kind. It kind of just hit me all at once. And I had seen that darkness for so long that I never thought I would crawl out of it. And thankfully, I have a partner who's so amazing and guiding me. And now I, I sometimes keep him in check. <laughs> Love you. 
as every wife should. Well done, Michelle. <laughs> awesome. All right, Michelle. Well, what has um, changed and what has Jesus been teaching you as you've uh, reconnected in relationship with him? It's very much taught me a lot to just slow down and be in the world because before I was always striving to be this perfect person. And as I know now, there is nobody who's perfect. Um, recently, most days on my drive to work, I feel God's presence and his love for me. And it just fills me with so much warmth. <laughs> Funny enough, when Stephen and I started dating, I didn't really care about God. I thought it wasn't worth it. But now my life is so full of positivity and happiness that I'm just so thankful for everything that he's brought into my life. And uh, what would you say to encourage if somebody was, you know, maybe struggling or in the same place that you were, and what would you say to encourage them this morning? I would just say that you just have to take some patience, and everybody's going to get there sooner or later, and I pray with all my heart that those who don't feel the way that I feel, that someday you will, by myself being a good Christian that our Lord would want us to be, I want to be that example or that role model of Christianity and not a stereotype. Amen. That's it. Awesome. <laughs> Amen. And uh, do you have a favorite Bible verse to share with us? I actually just read this one um, uh, on a Saturday before we went out with our family. Because like Stephen, I've been reading my Bible every day. And it just made so much sense. Uh, so it's Corinthians 13, 13, and now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Amen. Awesome. Good job, Michelle. Let's baptize you. You did really well. Amen. Awesome. Come on in. And even as we baptize you today, Michelle, I just feel to encourage the church, and I do this, I did this in the last baptism as well, if you're praying for a family member that has been hurt, you know, in their background with the church, or they've experienced darkness, I just urge you to continue to pray for them, continue to believe that they're going to reconnect with God, and we love testimonies like this, Michelle, and just so proud of you, Stephen, for the way you're leading Michelle, and Michelle, now the way you're leading Stephen. Amen. So God bless you. Awesome. Michelle, have you believed in Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And do you desire to live with him and for him for the rest of your life? Yes, I do. Amen. Upon confession of your faith, Michelle, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, having been buried with Jesus Christ in death and raised to new life with him. <laughs> okay, like where else would you rather be on a Sunday morning? Like, is this not the coolest thing in the world? I mean, wow. 
I had, my wife and I were just talking and we just were like so excited because this is a powerful moment for me as a pastor. See, I was there when Kiff and Andrea made their commitment to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And before I married them, Kiff said the week before, he said, you didn't get that altar call thing and I need you to, I want to get my life right with God before I get married. Isn't that powerful? And for, I mean, amen. Here we are. And the new heritage, a new testimony, a new story because of your guys' commitment to the Lord. Now look at your children. Hallelujah. You are blessed. And the Smirkos. My wife and I let, you know, were there when they came, became Christians and followed the Lord and, and did their wedding as well. And here we are watching them and their children. Like, I'm telling you, this is the moment you live for as a pastor. It's like generations are being changed because of the power of the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. I'm telling you that story because your story is not over. Your story is not over. And you may be coming like, my kids aren't serving the God, or I, I don't know what this God thing is all about. But you know what? Listen carefully today. God wants to take the tests of this life, the tests that you've been through. And how many know sometimes life can be a test? And he wants to take those tests and he wants to make them a testimony. Amen? He wants to make your life a testimony. You're not that excited about that, but you will be. <laughs> Everybody's like, I don't want to go through any tests. Like, <laughs> oh, Jesus said something really smart. He said, in this life, you're going to go through some hard times. But take heart. I've overcome. Amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. So I'm going to tell a baptism story to you from the book of Acts. Now, I'm going to read the scripture to you. It's not going to be on the screen, but we'll bring up portions of it later. But this is a story of a guy who got baptized. And it's kind of a cool story because he went through some tests in his life before he had a testimony. It's found in Acts chapter 8. eight. It's the Ethiopian eunuch. I given out? We're okay? Oh. Later the angel spoke to Philip. This is in Acts chapter 8. Here comes the sound guy. He's like, <laughs> David to the rescue. <laughs> okay, here we go. Let me help. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> oh, that was awesome. <laughs> oh, God is good. Let's start again. So we're in Acts chapter 8. Later, God, uh, <laughs> later God's angel spoke to Philip. So Philip is this evangelist guy, and God's speaking to him through an angel. At noon today, I want you to walk over to that desolate road that goes from Jerusalem down to Gaza. He got up and he went. He met an Ethiopian eunuch coming down the road. The eunuch had been on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem and was returning to Ethiopia where he was, a, uh, he was the minister in charge of all the finances of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. He was riding in a chariot and reading the prophet Isaiah. 
The Spirit told Philip, go up to the chariot. Running up alongside, Philip heard the eunuch reading Isaiah and asked, do you understand what you're reading? He answered, how can I without someone's help? And invited Philip into the chariot with him. The passage he was reading was this. As a sheep was led to the slaughter, and quiet as a lamb before a shearer, he was silent, saying nothing. He was mocked and put down, not given a fair trial. But how, who can now call and count his kin, since they've been taken from the earth? The eunuch said, tell me, is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Philip grabbed the chance. Using the passage as his text, he preached Jesus to him. They continued down the road, and they came to a stream of water. The eunuch said, here's water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the chariot to stop, and both went down in the water. And Philip baptized him on the spot. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of God suddenly took Philip away. And that was the last the eunuch saw of him. But he didn't mind. He had what he'd come for, and he went on down the road as happy as he possibly could be. Wow. So he goes on this pilgrimage. A pilgrimage is an interesting thing. A pilgrimage is a journey often to the unknown foreign place where a person goes in search of new or expanded meaning about their self, others, nature, or a higher good through that experience. It can lead to personal transformation after which the pilgrim returns to their daily life. So this eunuch, we'll call him the unique eunuch. And a eunuch, for those of you that don't know, it's a little uncomfortable, but... um, A eunuch is somebody that has been castrated so that their whole life can be dedicated to the service of their king or their kingdom. And why that happened was they would take powerful positions within a kingdom, but they would not have any lineage, any children of their own. They would never have a heritage to pass on. They would never have a progeny. And so therefore they were focused completely upon the work that they were called to do. And so this man was, had been made a eunuch in order to serve the queen of Ethiopia. And so he is uh, going on a pilgrimage. He's going on this journey in order to discover some meaning and some purpose in his life. You guys, you have to understand, if you were to look at this guy's life, you'd say, well, he's pretty successful. I mean, he's, the, he's in charge of all the finances of the entire kingdom of Ethiopia, which makes him, you know, a pretty important person. And, and obviously, he's very wealthy, which we'll talk about in a minute. He's in a chariot. He's uh, driving in this chariot, and he's reading the scroll of Isaiah. Now, he had, would have had to have purchased that scroll. Now, understand something. A scroll is not like a book. You, under, you know, you open a book, you turn to page 16. A scroll is one document that you unroll and unfurl, and it's a continual document. Now, why that makes it unique, those scrolls had to be handwritten. And the book of Isaiah was one of the largest books in the New Testament. It contained over 37,000 words. Now, why is that important? When the Jews transcribed the Word of God onto scrolls, they were called scribes who would do it. And if they made one single mistake, the entire scroll had to be destroyed. They had no whiteout. They could not, you know, you know, press return, 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 or backspace, backspace. It was like, you know, can you imagine the guy, he's like on, you know, Word... 36,412 and his son runs into the room and bumps his arm while he's writing like 
<laughs> anyway, we won't talk about what happened to that boy. It was tragic, but I mean... <laughs> so you understand, he, he is a wealthy, wealthy man. He's, he's got this scroll that probably costs more than a year's wage. And he's reading it, and you're like, well, how did, how did he hear about God? Why did he come on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem? Some, some scholars say, well, maybe he was a proselyte, which means he was a follower of the Jewish religion. But I don't think he was, because he couldn't really understand what he was reading, even as he was reading the scroll Isaiah. It's more likely that he had heard the story from 950 years ago in his history of the nation when Queen Sheba traveled from Ethiopia to go to this place called Jerusalem to meet with this guy who was world famous for his wisdom. And his name was King Solomon. And when she went there, she saw the incredible things that he built through his knowledge and relationship with God. She, she sat at his feet and she learned these incredible wisdom things. And so this story was prevalent in Ethiopia. They knew about this place. So this wealthy man goes on this pilgrimage to try and find meaning and purpose for his life. Because understand, he's a eunuch. There's no heritage going to follow him. He's got no progeny. There's nothing for him to pass on. There's no generational blessing that's going to flow from him to his children. He exists for this one life and one life only. And so here's the story. He's gone to Jerusalem, to the place he's heard about this pilgrimage. He goes to the holy temple to meet with this God. But he, when he gets there, he discovers something. He can't go into the temple. Why? Well, number one, he's a foreigner. He's not Jewish. And number two, the Bible's very explicit in the Old Testament that those who had been cut off, those who were eunuchs, could not enter the house of God. Can you imagine he goes to this place and he's like, I can't even experience why I came on this incredible long pilgrimage. And so he's on his way home and he's purchased the scroll of Isaiah and he's trying to still discover and find, couldn't there be more meaning for my life even though I'm wealthy, even though I'm important? You know, I, I, there's something missing in my life. But God didn't forget about him. He sent this evangelist Philip down to a road and he said, wait for it. And then this chariot comes along. He says, run up to the chariot. The guy's reading the scroll of Isaiah, and he's, I'm gonna, it's so cool. The part that he's reading is so incredibly important. Let me read it to you again. He's reading from this part. It's really important. I'll get there in a minute. Acts chapter 8. As a sheep is led to slaughter, and quiet as a lamb being sheared, he was silent, saying nothing. He was mocked and put down, not given a fair trial. Who now can count his kin since he's been taken from the earth? The eunuch said, tell me, is the prophet speaking about himself or someone else? Philip grabbed the chance and used the passage as the text to preach Jesus to him. He can't get into the temple, everything he's come for, everything he's trying to experience to find meaning and purpose in his life, though he's extremely wealthy though he holds an important position, there's still something missing. And as he's reading this text, Philip begins to talk to him about that text, and the text basically says that Jesus, whom the text is talking about, was cut off as well. He was killed at a young age, 33, and he never had a family. He never had kids, but I'm going to tell you, his spiritual kids are going to go on forever and ever. 
And so he's sharing this story. He's giving hope to this guy who's been cut off. He's giving hope to this eunuch, this unique eunuch. And he's saying, your story's not over. It's not over. And do and you understand why he's connecting to that story? Is he talking about me? Is he talking about something else? Now, we don't know this for sure because the scripture doesn't say it. But we know they had a discussion. And I can see Philip probably unrolling the scroll of Isaiah a little bit more because he knows the scroll of Isaiah. And he gets to this part of Isaiah 56. Literally, this is what it says. To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. What? Can you imagine he's reading this to this eunuch, this unique guy, and he's saying right here in the scroll that you purchase, it's a promise that there's something better, something more for you. There's something, a blessing that I have for you. Your story's not going to be cut off at this point. There's something more in your life. Maybe he kept unrolling the scroll. I mean, can, this is good. This is good preaching. He's, he's, he keeps going. And, and, <laughs> and he gets to Isaiah 61. Check this out. Isaiah 61 says, you know, God comes and he brings a rescuing presence. The re God has come to rescue those who are broken and lost and hurting and in despair. And he says, you know, you're going to become the planting of the Lord. Though you have no seed in you, I will make you a seed. And I'm going to plant you and you're going to become an oak of righteousness. And then the text goes on and says this. You will have the title priest of God, honored as ministers of our God. You will feast on the bounty of nations and bask in their glory. Because you got a double dose of trouble and more than your share of contempt, your inheritance in the land will be doubled and your joy will go on forever. You see, the unique eunuch, he couldn't even get into the temple. He couldn't be a priest. He wasn't, he wasn't Jewish, and he was emasculated. He couldn't get in. He had no way of getting in. But God says, you are now going to become the seed of the kingdom of God, and you're going to be a seed that's going to grow to be an oak of righteousness, and you're going to be the planting of the Lord, and you're now going to be a priest. Now you're going to be able to enter the presence of God, even though you've been separated by that old religious system. Now you've been brought close by the power of Jesus and the new testimony is yours. Woo! That's pretty good. And so he's going along and suddenly he's excited. Suddenly he has hope for his future. He's been cut off, but now he has a new plan, a new, a new purpose, a new testimony is his. He joins his story to Christ's story and his story becomes history and now it's becoming his story, Christ's story in him. This is what everybody in this room is experiencing that has asked Jesus Christ to come into their life. What a beautiful and incredible thing that God did in this story. <laughs> you see, he left because now he had what he had come for. I love this. The band's going to come back now. But let me tell you the rest of the story. Okay, <laughs> here's the unique eunuch. He's going home now. He's got a scroll of Isaiah. He's, he's been born again. He's asked God into his heart. He's been baptized. He's made a testimony of his life. He's committed his life to Jesus Christ. He be, is the first Christian listed in the Bible in Ethiopia, the very first Christian. First Christian in Ethiopia. 
probably the first Christian in Africa. Fairly cool, okay? So then I started researching. Guess what? The, the unique eunuch who'd been cut off, no progeny, no kids. This is an incredible thought. Get ready for this. 2019 statistics, I've uh, checked them 2022. They're a little bit different now, but very similar. 2019, there were 111 million people in Ethiopia. It's about 2,200, it's about 119 now, but back then it was 111 million. Check this out. 44% of them are from the Christian Orthodox Church. 19% of them are from the Evangelical and Pentecostal Christian Church. <laughs> That's 69.93 million Christians. How many of you know the unique unit, eunuch, has a progeny? He has something that is now living on beyond him. And when you go to heaven and the God gives out all the rewards, that man is going to stand there who was impossible for him to have a family. And millions and millions and millions of people are going to say to him, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for trusting Jesus. Thank you for bringing Christianity to Ethiopia. Thank you that we had hope and our families had hope. Thank you that you changed our lives and you changed our families' lives. And by what you did, it made a difference in my life. Can you imagine what a story that's going to be? What a day that's going to be. And this is the invitation to each one of us here today. You see, this life has tests, you guys. It does. But will you take the hand of God and will you make that test a testimony? And will you say, my life and my story is not over? Amen? What a beautiful testimony you guys shared today. Thank you for that. My heart was warmed. Why don't we pray? We're going to take communion in just a moment. We're going to just celebrate what Jesus has done. You know, my life is blessed, you guys. I'm a blessed man. I gave my heart to the Lord when I was 21 years old, eight days before my 21st birthday, at a testimony service like this, a baptism time. My wife has given me, an, my, my Lord has given me an incredible wife. She tells me that every day, how awesome she is. No, trust me, she's amazing. I'm blessed beyond my own deserving. I don't deserve her, but I'm so thankful for her. And my kids, my daughter's on the piano right now. I am blessed. My son is on the drums right now. My son-in-law is on the guitar right now. Michaela, get up here and play the keys. Come on, where are you, girl? Woo! Amen. Well, she's living through Mitch right now. God bless her. I have a daughter, Michaela, and a daughter-in-law, Michaela. How many know I'm blessed? My, my testimony, my, my stories changed because Christ came into my life. That's your opportunity right now. Will you take his hand and say, God, make my life a testimony. 
Why don't we bow our heads and we're going to pray together. And if you're here today and you're saying, man, I need God in my life. I need God in my life. It's time for me to take these tests, what I've been going through in my life, and turn it into a testimony. I want to ask Jesus to come in and be in my life. Forgive my sins and help me to live with him and for him. Your story is not over yet. But you need to make the next step. He is knocking on your heart and he's saying, won't you open your heart to me that I might come in and I might have fellowship with you. If that is you here today, I want you to be bold and raise your hand and say, Pastor Greg, that's me. I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to make my, these tests become a testimony. If you're online watching and that's you, there's going to be an opportunity for you to press a button and say, I made a decision to follow Jesus today. But right now, in this room, if that's you, give me a wave. You're worth waiting on because your story is not over yet. Amen and amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. Lastly, if you're here and you're a Christian, but you've been going through some hard tests, you know what? God's not done. Your story's not done. Take his hand and let those tests become a testimony. You're saying, Pastor, that's me. I really need to take the hand of God right now that my life might become a testimony. Yes, I see your hands. Yes, raise your hand up. Give me a wave. Many, 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 many hands going up right now. Amen. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you, to be gracious toward you, and give you his peace. We're going to partake of communion now. You have that little thing you were given when you came in. You say, well, I didn't get one. You can still grab one if you want. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus, this little bread and this little cup represent the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. His body was broken so you could be made whole. Amen? And it's a lifetime of following him. I'll give you a minute because it takes time to open that little thing. I know it's frustrating. Some of you will have to repent of sin just by opening this cup because you're going to be so angry trying to get it open. We're patient with you. You'll get there. Amen? Hallelujah. Can we partake of the body which was broken for you so that you could be made whole? Let's partake together. Hallelujah. And this little cup is just the cup that represents the, the sacrifice of Jesus in giving his life, in the shedding of his blood so that you might be forgiven and cleansed from your sins. Can we partake and celebrate that together right now? Amen. Amen. If you made a commitment of your life to Christ, sometimes I can't see everybody because the lights are blazing my eyes. Make sure you tell somebody today, amen. And there's going to be prayer at the cross today. If you made a commitment of your life, tell somebody, God loves you. God loves you. He's for you and he's not against you.